Well, you know, <laughs> oh my goodness, wow. Well, anyway, uh, this morning I'm going to begin a new series of messages on the return of Christ. I know many people are always asking, you know, is it time? Is he coming back? When is he coming back? And what are the signs of his coming? Well, I can't tell you the exact day. And if I tried to tell you the exact day, the exact hour, you'd know that preacher's you know, but anyway, Jesus said, no one knows the time of his return. Uh, not, not, the, not the angels, only the father knows that. I think maybe the Lord knows now. I'm not really, well, yeah, when he was on earth, he just didn't know. But anyway, um, we're going to do that. And we'll be talking about all of the, uh, the different things uh, that, that comprise. We'll talk about the rapture. We'll talk about uh, the millennial reign. We'll talk about uh, the alignment of nations and all of that stuff in the days ahead. I think you'll find it very interesting. And I encourage you to, to be here. Now, next week, uh, is, uh, next week will be our last week before we go to, wait a minute. Are we leaving to go to Cayman Brack this week? Next week. Okay, good. I'm glad because today's the 18th. But anyway, we're leaving on the 30th to go to Cayman Brack. And by the way, our youth are, are doing mission trip this week and doing some stuff. So anyway, I want to go ahead and get started this morning. But have you ever had one of those situations where you're like, man, I just wish it would hurry up and get over with? Uh, maybe you're at the dentist office and you're like, man, I wish this was to hurry up and get over with. You know, I'm tired of waiting. Or uh, maybe you've got your car in the shop and you're, you're waiting on it and you're waiting on it and finally it gets done. And, and you know, just this past week, I had one of those, those, those moments when I'm like, I, I got to do something. I'm just really not sure if my brakes on my car are working properly or not. They're making some weird noises, right? And, uh, and so I just couldn't sit still, and so this past week I had my car jacked up a couple of days trying to make sure the brakes were okay, and the best I can tell, they're okay. Now, I didn't have a wreck, and I didn't run out of brake, uh, brake fluid or anything like that, but I do remember when I was about 16, 16 17 years old, I was going through the drive through at Burger King up in Georgia, and I went to put the brakes on, and all of a sudden, something popped and broke. And my car started rolling. All I could do was put it in neutral and open the door and stick my leg out and try to stop my car because I didn't want to hit the guy ahead of me. And then when it was time for me to move forward, I gingerly kind of pushed a little bit to get to the drive through window. They probably thought I was crazy. But what happened was I had ignored the symptoms and the signs of a brake, needing a brake job. And I had to have the rotors replaced. I think I actually broke the rotor. And uh, I don't remember exactly now, but I just remember thinking to myself, man, I really messed up here. And uh, getting the car home after going through the drive-thru was an interesting experience. It was like drive, press the gas a little bit, put it in neutral, and just hope we don't hit the car in front of us, you know. But the bottom line is that, you know, you're, you're in the middle of something and you think to yourself, man, I just wish this was over with and, and I got to do something. And I don't know about you, but I think if you're paying attention to what is going on in our nation and in our world today, you might be like me and you're thinking, Wow, this is like night and day difference from where it used to be. And it's not daylight difference, 
It's dark time difference. What can I do? What am I supposed to do? I mean, Lord, what is my obligation and my responsibility? What can I do when it seems like the world has gone crazy? And folks, i got to tell you something. This, is, this, this whole world right now, but particularly our nation, is in a place where it's not good. I don't, I don't think we've ever been in a perfect place. But I have to tell you, when you have the leaders of the nation celebrating immorality, it is extremely upsetting to the Lord and to his people. Now, this morning, I don't want to get on a soapbox, but I have to tell you, when we think about the return of Christ, the Bible says that, good will, that, that bad men will go from bad to worse, and we are seeing that. When you have major corporations decide that they want to endorse the LGBTQ and they're going to champion that, I'm just telling you some things are wrong. Now, I'm going to tell you this morning that you're probably going to leave this place and not be happy with me, some of you, because you're going to say, well, he's being political. And my response to you will be, I, I don't want to be unkind, but I want to be biblical. And I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable because of the LGBTQ agenda, but, but I just have to tell you, folks, that this is ungodly. It is an ungodly thing. And I'm probably going to get in trouble with someone up in Canada right now. If you preach this kind of message that I'm going to preach or read the scriptures, what's going to happen is you're going to get fined. I learned this, this past week that if you miss gender someone in your pronunciation in a, at least one state, maybe more than that, uh, it's, it's out west, it, do you realize that you can be fined and potentially go to jail? <laughs> All right, well, I got you then. You might, I might need a bodyguard too. Somebody told me this morning after the first service I might need a bodyguard. But anyway... The bottom line is there's some things going on, and when you, when you hang a pride flag on the White House, you are inviting the judgment of God. Amen. The bottom line is God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities on the plain because they were champions of that kind of immorality. And, you know, we think to ourselves, well, that won't happen to us but the Bible is super clear. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. But any people who reject the Lord are cursed. And I have a feeling that we're headed down that road. I don't know how close we are, but I know this. I know that the Lord, when the Lord promised that he would return that people would be living as it was in the day of Noah. And the day of Noah was a very wicked age, and God sent a flood on the entire earth. How do I know that? Well, not because, you know, there's some people that don't believe that, but when you find evidence of sea creatures on the peaks of mountains, that has to tell you something. And you know, I, I love science. I have studied, I've studied all kinds of scientific I just love it, man, I'm telling you. And I've, I've looked at how they date rocks and fossils, and, and we could get, go on and on about that, and I could talk with you about carbon-14, and I could talk with you about 
you know, uranium decaying into uh, lead, and we could talk about the half-life of a uranium molecule. I can go into all that stuff with you, but I can tell you this. If you take a rock and you have it dated at one lab, you're going to get a totally different result at another one. And if you're dating something that is biological, that has been absorbing carbon-14, as long as that thing has been breathing or whatever, you have to understand the half-life on a carbon molecule is only so many years. And I just share this with you because sometimes we get the idea that the information that we're getting is always rock solid and true. And particularly when people want to discredit God's word, they are very quick to pick up on science. Now, I'm not a scientist but I have read a lot, and I've got a lot of books, and I can, I'd love to dialogue with you about this stuff. But that's not today's message. But what today's message is, it has to do with the fact that we live in an age when misinformation is so readily available and promoted all over the world, all the time. And the reality is that because of that, many people are confused about things. They're confused because they think somehow they can change their gender. Well, you can take hormones and you can change a lot of things about yourself, your physical characteristics, you can do that, but you know what? You're still going to be a certain way once you get off the hormones. And I personally don't think that that is a good thing that people would seek to do that. That's why I said some of y'all are going to be upset with me. But I just have to tell you, and I'm not saying this, I don't want to be ugly to anyone, and if you were to come to me and you were to say, I'm struggling with this whole idea, I would say, I love you and I want to help you with that. And I want you to think for just a moment that maybe your conclusions in your mind are not in your best interest. And I can say that because I believe that there's a God in heaven that created people male and female. And, uh, and I think that there's just a reality as a believer. And I just have to say this to you before we get into the meat of the message this morning, and that is this. If you are a Christian, a believer, then you are to hold to certain beliefs. And if you struggle with that, I understand it. I've struggled with a number of things, like particularly when I was a lot younger, I struggle with the idea that, you know, that, I, that, I, that every beautiful girl that I saw, I, you know, I, I couldn't pursue. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I mean, you know, when you're young, you, you struggle with, with a lot of things. When you're older, you struggle with things, too. Uh, you get a little bit older, and, and you struggle with, do I really have to forgive that person? I, I'd rather just not forgive them at all after what they've done. But you know, I, I, again, I'm a believer. How am I, what am I supposed to do? What does Christ tell me I'm supposed to believe and I'm supposed to do? So as believers who've been born again, the Holy Spirit indwells us and he's moving us to understand and accept his truth. And, and what we find though is that before the return of Christ, that things have gotten really, really 
bad. And today we're going to be in the book of Jude. So I want you to take your Bible and I want you to go to Jude chapter 5, verse number 2. Okay, go ahead. When you get to Jude 5, verse 2, would you raise your hand just a moment? Okay. <laughs> okay, guys, Jude is right before Revelation. Okay, I want to make sure you're in the right box. Jude only has one chapter, okay? So I'm just messing with you. Okay, so let's all stand together. We're going to read a portion of Jude chapter 1. While you're standing up, let me just say this. Jude is the brother of James, who also, because James is, you know, the biological half-brother of Jesus Christ, so is Jude. Jude came to faith, just like James did after the resurrection. But, but Jude is one of these guys that wants to encourage the church of God. It's, it's probably sometime late in the first century, maybe it's uh, A.D. 50 or so, maybe a little bit later than that, and he wants to encourage, he wants to, he wants to share a sermon that is so positive and uplifting that everybody's encouraged, they're going to feel good in their heart, and they're going to feel so warm and welcome, and wow, we've got wonderful, wonderful blessings in Christ. He wants to write that. But the Holy Spirit says, Jude, you need to write this because the church is in danger. So we pick up in Jude, the first verse, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. To those who were called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Let's pause right there. Would you pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord God, help us to understand the times we're in and the necessity of a close walk with you. Father, I just pray that our lives might be adorned with your wonderful truth and that we might find peace and release and hope in you. And Lord God, we lift up our nation to you. We lift up our world to you. And oh God, we pray for revival or awakening. Father, either way, we know that your will will be accomplished. Your purposes will be done. And Lord God, we just pray that as God's people, Lord, as disciples, that you would give us wisdom to know how to conduct our lives, what to say, how to say it, how to live. Lord God, I just pray that you'll help each of us and Father, we, we ask that you would speak to our individual hearts, that you would, Lord God, if, if there's a possibility in us that we can have a closer walk with you, then Father, we, we pray that you'll help us to flourish in your truth, and Lord, that there'll be a, a real change in our lives. Father, if there's a stronghold of resistance in us, in some area where we have believe something that is really not true, then Lord God, we pray that you would just help us to see the light. And Father, help us to understand that 
that in life we all see things a little bit differently, but Father, help us to agree on the fundamentals so that we might have a walk with you and with each other. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. I just want to tell you, you know, there are a lot of different opinions about a lot of different things, and some of this stuff is we don't really know, uh, you know, all the things we know, but the one thing I, I do know is the Bible is very clear that God created, and He created everything after its own kind, and man is a unique creation. We measure this, we use the speed of light to, to measure the distances to stars, and sometimes people have gotten the idea that maybe because this star is five point, I think it's 5.7 billion years away. That's how they calculate the age of the, of the, the universe, the earth, or excuse me, the universe, and then the earth is a little bit different. But, you know, we can quibble about some of that stuff. I mean, I happen to believe that when God created, he created everything, you know, in an aged position, which would account for the fact that Adam does not have a belly button. Did you guys know that? Adam never had a belly button. And, uh, and by the way, if I look at the fossil record, what I find is the Cambrian explosion when every major body form was there at one time. And so, you know, they're just... Anyway, I don't want to get into all that, although... Well, I do want to get into it, but I'm not going to because I know, I know some of y'all will go to sleep. But anyway, until he returns, what am I supposed to do? Let me just share with you this one verse that the scripture gives us, and then I want to talk about that a little bit, but the Bible tells us in verse number four, Jude says this, certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our Lord into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on and he talks about what's happening and this is why he has to write this passage about, um, you know, about what's happening and he can't give the sermon that, that maybe we'd like to hear a sermon that just makes you feel good and fuzzy inside. And, then he, and by the way, as he's writing, the Holy Spirit is leading him to this and, uh, and, he, and he speaks about this, and he speaks about the judgment that God has leveled against certain people and certain things. And, and then we come to this scripture where he says that our obligation is to contend for the faith. So what does that mean? How, what does this mean when he tells us that we are to contend for the faith. The Bible describes the word contend as guard or defend. And, and we might even use it in a metaphorical sense like the Apostle Paul did in Ephesians chapter 6 when he talked about us standing in the day of evil. This is for the church this morning. This is for those of you who belong to Christ. You are called to contend for the faith. You are called to stand for Christ. 
The Apostle Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 6 when he talks about spiritual warfare. And by the way, you and I are not fighting against, uh, we shouldn't have hostility and anger in our hearts towards our fellow man. We should understand that there are spiritual forces of evil in this world that are motivating, that are leading people to a place where they oppose Christ. And it, it, it's a problem for believers. And it's always been that way. We'll be persecuted for the cause of Christ. But I notice, I want you to notice in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're to put on the armor of God, and that's another sermon, but we are to do that so that we may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. What that means, folks, is that we're going to stand up for some things and we're going to stand against other things. I just learned this morning that it's not just Target, and again, I'm probably going to get in trouble with some folks, but... It's not just Target. Um, it, it's not just some of these other businesses, but now Cracker Barrel has decided that they're going to welcome and they're going to celebrate uh, Pride Month. I'm just telling you that I don't think that these companies really care about losing money. I think what they're banking on is that one day the church will be raptured and the only people left will be those who don't know the Lord. No, I'm, 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 I'm just kidding about that. I don't. I think they're just waiting for the tidal wave to run over. But, but listen to me. The reality is that if I'm a believer, then I need to be sure about what I support and what I promote. And I'll tell you something. The straw that just really just got on my nerves. And, and again, I know people say, well, that's all you I don't, this is not all I talk about, but I am concerned about the culture. But you know, when, the, when a major league baseball team, the Dodgers, decides to host a gross group that makes fun of nuns and the Christian faith, then, you know, I'm telling you, folks, it's not good. And fortunately, I understand there were a lot of believers out there protesting what was going on in the stadium, which was about empty, but the looks of it. But I share all that with you now, and I want to get into this word here, and I want you to see this, and hopefully the Holy Spirit will guide your heart as he's been speaking to mine, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will guide me through this. But number one, this passage teaches us that we must stand firm in opposition to the ways of the wicked. I want you to notice in this passage that Jude is encouraging, he's appealing, he is exhorting people to stand up to the social belief system that was happening. He was, he was telling and warning the church, the church is in danger because there are people who are infiltrating, who are leading others astray. And that's exactly what was happening in this passage of scripture. If you look at verse 4 and verse 8 and 10 through 13, verse 16, it describes these people. And, and this is a description of what's happening in our nation today. Look at this. In verse 4, he says, these people have crept in unnoticed. And he describes them as ungodly. They're people who, who have no regard for God. They're the opposite of godly. They're ungodly. And, and these are the people that that many folks are celebrating this day in America. People that are, that they just, they delight in, in trashing the Lord and his people. 
And the Bible describes them as ungodly. And then here's another one that folks are not going to like, but they pervert the grace of God into sensuality. In other words, they took the idea that God is merciful and God is gracious. And when we acknowledge that we're sinners and we cry out to the Lord, the promise is He forgives us. But what they were doing was they were saying, well, because God has forgiven me, I can do whatever I want to. I can let my passions run wild. And by the way, you can too. You know, I, I have to tell you something. When, when we have people in the education, I, I'm going to make a lot of friends today. <laughs> either in here or online. But when we have people in the education system who are telling uh, elementary age children that they don't have to tell their parents or the, or the teachers don't have to tell their parents whether they're referred to as he or she at school, then something is wrong. And it's even worse when they try to engineer and have children maybe at a later age have hormone blockers and things like that. I'm just telling you that's ungodly. It's not right. And we need to ask God to have mercy upon us. Do you realize in a number of school systems in major metropolitan areas, number one, they're teaching kids to hate the country that they belong to, and number two, they're telling them to question their race and question their gender. Folks, that is demonic. And it cannot lead to a nation that is healthy in the long run. It will destroy a nation. But somehow or another, they think that this is the way of progress. The Bible tells us that we must stand against the opposition. These people had perverted, uh, had perverted the grace of God, and they had turned to to, to uh, sensuality, that word that's used there is indecency, it's unrestrained vice, it's uh, unredeemed passion, just no control over themselves. By the way, you need to understand that if it's hard for you to do something, that's not a reason for you to curse and scream and get all upset. It's just, an, it's just the way to teach you to persevere. The Bible says that if you will persevere, you'll, have, you'll, you'll develop patience. And patience leads to perfection. So, you know, so many people want it now, right now. But the bottom line is that we should be a people who, uh, who stand against ungodliness. We have to contend for the faith, as this passage tells us. Now, the Bible describes some of these people, and it describes them as hidden reefs. In this passage, I think it's verse number 13, it speaks about the fact that you're just under the surface. They are, they, they are, they're dangerous. I don't know if you've ever been to a, a Caribbean island that has reefs, but you know, it's interesting. The water is so beautiful and so calm, and you can see all the way to the bottom, but if you're not careful, you can get cut on a coral reef because you just don't realize how sharp and how rocky it can be. And, and this is what we're talking about here. A boat comes along and it just looks so beautiful and then the hull of that ship hits a coral reef and it destroys the ship and the ship goes down. And that's what these people are described as here. 
In this passage, if you look to the book of James, it describes them in a lot of different ways, but the reality is that James, excuse me, that Jude, Jude says this is dangerous for the church. And he's talking now about people who have come in and they're bringing a system of belief that has denied the lordship of Christ. Let me just say this to you quickly this morning, and that is when you become a believer, you come to Christ and you say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. Come into my life. And Lord, by the way, because I know I'm a, a believer now, I surrender my life to your will. That's what being a believer is all about. And then as you go along, you learn a little bit more every day about what that means to submit yourself to him. It means that when you're disappointed about things in life and things don't go exactly the way that you think they should go, it means that you say, Lord, I don't like this, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you come to a place in your life where you feel like, Lord, I can't forgive this person, you remind yourself that Jesus said, forgive. And as you forgive, so you are forgiven. And you know, there's just so many things that we learn about. Man, when I got saved at nine years of age, I had no idea what lordship was all about. I just believed in the Lord. I knew he was the son of God. I knew he died on the cross for me. And when, as I got a little bit older, I began to understand what it meant to say no to self and yes to him. And, and there's a story about that, but I, I can't go into that right now because we're running out of time. <clears throat> as usual, why don't y'all listen a little bit quicker? I tell you, I don't understand you guys. But anyway, the Bible says that we should stand against those things that are in opposition to Christ. And it doesn't mean we have to be ugly, but it means we have to settle in our heart who is Lord and whose, uh, whose view of life and whose, uh, whose will are we going to bow to. Secondly, this passage tells us that we not only stand in opposition to the way of unrighteousness, but it says that we stand firm in holy apprehension. In other words, we consider the Lord's retribution. In one sense, we uh, recognize the, 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 that what God has said is what we should stand for and what God has opposed, we should oppose. But in this sense, this passage in Jude gives us a picture of the Lord that maybe some of you may not have ever realized before. Notice what it says in Jude, Jude 4. It says, For certain people have crept unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. And if you look at Jude, uh, Jude 5, it, 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 he says, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved the people out of the land of Egypt. I thought that was interesting that he, he, he says Jesus here. Jesus saved the people out of the land of Egypt, but afterward he destroyed those who did not believe. And, and then in verse 6, uh, here it talks about the angels that did not stay within their proper bounds, and, and they've been locked up in gloomy dungeons awaiting the the final judgment, and that's happening, that's happened already. And, and in Jude 10, it talks about those who are destroyed because of their, like they're, they're like unreasoning animals. What am I trying to say here? What I'm trying to say, and this is what Jude is saying, at the end of time, I, I wanted to write you a sermon that would make you feel so good, but I have to let you know that God not only rewards his people, 
and blesses them, but eventually the curtain closes on those who reject God. How many of you are familiar with uh, C.S. Lewis' Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe trilogy? Anybody ever read that? C.S. Lewis wrote some other great stuff too, but, but in this trilogy, and it's, the movie's been made about it, C.S. Lewis, one of the main characters in this trilogy is the lion Aslan. And Aslan is representative of Jesus Christ. And the question, I believe the question is posed to Lucy about Aslan. And the question is, is he safe? After all, this is a lion. Is he safe? And the conclusion is that no, he is not safe. We know Jesus as a friend of sinners. We know Jesus as one who is closer than a brother. We know Jesus as the suffering servant who came to this earth to die on the cross for our sins, who rose from the dead and who has promised that he will work all things out for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. Sometimes we forget, though, that Jesus is also the one who is the lion. He is not safe, but he is good. Oh, my goodness. Now, for the Lord, for me and the Lord and my relationship with him, he is so important to me and he is everything to me. And I feel safe in his arms. But I know this. He is a consuming fire. It's interesting. When you look in the book of Revelation, just one book beyond the book of Jude, in Revelation chapter 5, it's interesting because John now has, has been given this vision of the throne of heaven. And he looks at the throne and to the right hand of the throne of heaven, he sees a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then that same lion is a lamb. The lamb who died on the cross. For our sins, the perfect lamb. And what Jude is reminding us of here in this passage is that yes, there are bad things in the world, but one day God is going to deal with that. And you know, uh, the promise of, 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 of God is that one day all wrongs will be righted. So as we look at Jude, we understand that, there is a, that we're to contend for the faith. That's what he says in this passage. You need to contend for the faith. You need to guard it. It's been a good faith. It's been delivered to you, and you're to guard it, and you're to stand up for it. You're not to let the popular culture, the social culture, determine your rights and wrongs. Listen to me. My understanding is that a majority of people get their news from TikTok. Now... I have to tell you, the people on TikTok are getting paid to deliver a particular message. And that message can be toxic. And we just need to understand that, that, that there's times for us to stand up and say, no, I'm a believer. I don't believe I should hate you because of the color of your skin. And I don't believe that I should, you know, that, that you should hate me simply because I was, did not have a choice about how I was born. 
I don't believe for one moment that I should ignore the needs of the poor and the suffering. I should be a good Samaritan. I should care about people. I should not just get up on a high horse about immoral issues. It's immoral for somebody that I know who is hurting, who needs help, for me not to have a heart of compassion. And so I'm going to stand up for the things that Christ says. I'm going to believe in God. I'm going to trust Him. The Bible says to those who believe in Him, they must, that, that to come to Him, they must believe that He exists and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So I stand up, I stand up in recognition of who the Lord really is as well and remind myself that one day things are going to close. And as we talk about the return of Christ, you're going to, you're going to hear a bunch of stuff. And I'm excited about that series of messages. Thirdly, let me just say this, Jude 17 and 19. Let me read it to you. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles and of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. In other words, these are people that do not have the Spirit of God because they've never been born again. So, we stand firm in opposition to the wicked, but we don't have to be obnoxious or ugly to do that, okay? Number two, we stand firm in holy apprehension of who God really is, who Christ is. But thirdly, we stand firm in affirmation of the prophetic predictions. In other words, Lord, this stuff is driving me crazy. How could people think this kind of stuff and do this kind of stuff? Well, I'm sorry to say it, but that is the course of sin. And the Lord has said that's going to happen. And so rather than me getting really, really worried and frantic and just completely out of sorts because the world is a mess, I have to remember that's what God said would happen before he returns. So this is the world we live in. And it's our job to be the salt and the light and do the best. And then fourthly and lastly, and this is where I think it would be good for us to spend a little bit of time here, but we won't spend too much time here because of time. But look at Jude 20 through 23. Because as John MacArthur has said in this passage, this is, this is a recipe, so to speak. This is, uh, this is how we survive. This is survival strategy during apostate times. And apostasy is when somebody turns their back on the truth of God and the Lord. And here's what we do. But you, beloved, and I love this because he uses the same phrase, the, the same word to describe the church, beloved. This is a pastor, if you will. This is a, a father. On Father's Day, this is a father telling his children what they need to do in order to be safe. He, he, this word, beloved, is a derivative of agape love. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. What this means is if you want to survive without losing your mind in this world, 
It's not enough to just oppose evil. You must practice good. And he said you've got to build yourself up in your most holy faith. It means you're going you're to let God's word change your life. You're going to study it. You're going to read it. It means that you're going to be with God's people. You're going to connect with God's people. You're not going to just hang out on Friday night at the bars or whatever. You're going to gather with God's people and you're going to be with them because that builds up your faith. You're going to surround yourself with people that are good for you. I, I, I learned a long time ago that the people who are closest to me determine where I end up. And I never will forget one year I was working as a chaplain in Trenton, Florida at the youthful correctional facility there. And in that time, I met many people who'd gotten involved with the wrong crowd. And guess what happened? <laughs> they ended up in prison. Stand firm in your convictions. Stand firm and consecrate yourself to building yourself up in the most holy faith. Read your Bible. Continue with worship. Uh, join people that, that love the Lord. And, and it says in this passage that you're going to pray in the Spirit. That means that you're going to pray in tune with God's Spirit. In other words, when I pray to the Lord, I'm praying in Jesus' name. I'm praying things that are His will. That's why he taught us when we pray that we are, to, we are to, to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, when we talk to the Lord, we don't ask for ungodly things and we don't tell God, you have to do this because I've done this. You say, Lord, your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. We pray in the Spirit. And notice it says to have mercy on those who doubt. And, and that means for people that are doubting and they're struggling, and by the way, there's a lot of folks now that are really in a confused state of mind because, number one, they're not confident in themselves. They're, they're people who, uh, who are going through a change in life, and they're very confused about things, and, and they're just getting... It's, you know that phrase, if you give a man enough rope, he'll hang himself? Well, that's what's happening in our world. People are saying, listen, if you're on drugs, don't worry about it. I'll give you some more drugs. Come over here and you can shoot up your drugs in, in, in this facility where we're going to provide you with clean needles and we're going to provide you with uh, you know, the safe place. where you." And what do they do? They just create a new class of addicted people whose lives are wasted. And, and we could go on and on about this, but... The Bible tells us that when people are in doubt, we should have mercy upon them and help them. Build yourself up in the holy faith. Pray. Um, you know, be merciful to those who doubt. Uh, keep looking for the return of the Lord. And, and, it, and it says in verse 23, it says, Save others by snatching them out of the fire. What does that mean? Well, you guys ever seen that show about interventions? In some cases, what we need to do is not just be kind and caring, but we might need to intervene and say, Son, get out of that mess right now. As a matter of fact, I'm cutting you off. No more money to you until you do what's right. In other words, there might be a time for you to exercise some loving discipline so that your child does not end up being a spoiled brat who ruins other people's lives. <laughs> I say that with love, okay? But you know the Bible's so clear. If you don't discipline children, 
they just expect that they'll always get everything they want. And I, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta quit here. I'm getting, I'm getting out of. I know I'm going the wrong direction here now. So, but it's Father's Day, so I can say a few of these things. Okay. Stand firm in what you believe, and make sure that you keep short accounts with the Lord. Make sure that you understand the worldview that you have is based on what God says and not what the flavor of the month is. Because by the way, that'll change. And make sure that if you're going to be persecuted for something in the days ahead, make sure that you're persecuted for the cause of righteousness and not because you've decided to do something ungodly or wicked. Well, I, I want to I wrap this message up, and, and I'm going to ask our praise team to come out, and, or Pastor Sean, and um, lead us in a, a time of worship. But I just have to say, I know that probably what you heard today might have kind of run afoul of where some of the people that you know are. And, and I would encourage you not to be rude and ugly and and if you're watching this broadcast and you're like man I'm never going to watch that guy again I want to just share with you that you know somebody told me a long time ago if you throw a rock into a pile of dogs the one who yelps is probably the one who got hit and that's probably the one that needs to think about it a little bit and ask themselves is this true or not and so Come talk to me. I want to encourage you in your walk, and I promise you I want to encourage you, not condemn you. But you have to get serious about the way things are and what you believe and what God says about things. And when you do that, that's when you begin to make progress. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord God, we just pray you'll help each of us to consider these things. And Lord, more than anything, we want to be right with you. So help us, we pray. In Jesus' name.